0: Nicole Bigley and you are listening to a listener series on a psychic story. Everyone, if this is your first episode of A Psychic Story, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. This is the eighth listener episode of the podcast where we share the stories you submitted. And I just have to say it's November, which means we have two more months left in the year and before a whole new year starts. So get ready for our stories and everything else. But first, hi, Scott.
1: Hi, Nicole. Well, I'll tell you, I'm excited. Why are you excited? because (laughs) it's only a few days away from our book being released on 11.11. That's right, folks. 11-11, November 11th. Great angel number.
0: What does that angel number mean, Scott?
1: Well, why don't you comment on that?
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I know I was going to throw you for a curveball. Well, it's just a quick fun backstory is that, you know, I am all into angels, messages, obviously, signs, symbols, that sort of thing. At the same time, angel numbers tend to repeat and show up when we're really early on in our stages of spiritual development. That's just my opinion. They still show up, obviously, but they just Tend to hit us over the head a little bit more, and so I don't really think about the numbers as much. And so it was really fun, Scott, when you said, "Why don't we do it for eleven eleven and have the book release that date, which also happens to be a Saturday, which I find fun too, because you don't want to have to release something new and launch something during the week necessarily." But so yeah, so eleven eleven. But going back to the number and what it means. Obviously, everyone can look it up, but it tends to be a universal angel number sign where it's usually urgent or important. Your spirit team tends to highlight it more when you need to pay attention, look around. And so again universal angel sign at the same time it's also can be for universe has your back your spirit team is guiding you your angels are looking out for you that sort of thing so it may have different meaning for other people but that tends to be that universal angel number sign so the fact that it's 1111 for us in the book and that it has a high significance with angels and angel numbers and that Scott you received that intuitive hit that we should have it on 1111 was very serendipitous
1: Yeah. So obviously it's been a while. The listeners are probably tired of us talking about it coming. So here it is. (laughs) It's here. And then we look forward to feedback. And we have the event uh, thats that we're going to be running in January for those who purchased a book in the first 30 days.
0: Yeah, we'll be sharing more information about that. But if you guys have certain things that you're interested in, in terms of that event, you know, obviously Scott and I will be online, we'll be talking, we'll be, hopefully people will have their books in hand. So either it and or we can walk through some of the exercises and some of the things in the book. But if there's guests, if there's other things and topics you want us to cover, or after reading it, you have questions, feel free to contact us either on our social medias or through through the email that is contact at a psychic story.com. Also, I have been receiving some questions about where is it going to be available? So can you share that Scott?
1: Yeah. So it will be available at the book's website, looking for angelsbook.com It will be available on Amazon and it will be available at your favorite bookstore. They may or may not have it on their shelf, but they certainly will be able to order it. So the, you know, paperback hardcover as well as ebook and audiobook, where we figured we'd just get it all out there all at once, all the different mediums. So mm-hmm.
0: Make it easy for you, whichever way you want to consume or read it. And I have kind of a fun thing to say. So Chris Lufkin, who you guys know has been on the podcast and she and I are friends, she said that she keeps signing up for the email. <laughs> looking for angelsbook.com and i told her you only have to sign up once so if you signed up you don't have to keep signing up we have not sent out an alert yet i am obviously very behind with all the other things but we will be providing you with email updates and information in the coming weeks about that so thank you to all for signing up and also to Chris i call her my number one fan club member she's the president of my fan club <laughs> Chris you don't have to keep signing up but anyway just wanted to share that for you guys and yes I'm sure a a lot of you were excited and, and waiting patiently and sorry if we keep talking about it, but obviously we're very excited to have it out as well. Anything else about the book that you wanted to share before we move on?
1: No, that's it. We'll be doing events.
0: Yeah, we do have another event coming up too. Mm-hmm. Victoria a Light Mind, Body, Spirit event in Sharonville, Ohio, which is Cincinnati, Ohio. And that is on Saturday, November 18th and Sunday, November 19th. And we are also talking about maybe putting together a get-together for everyone, either Sunday or Monday. So stay tuned for that if you are local or you're coming into town for it. It's the largest metaphysical show in the United States. I've been the last couple of years, this past April, Scott was with me. We just wanted to kind of see if we should still have a booth and you know, obviously provide the book so you will be able to come and meet us, also receive signed copies from us. And we are also doing an Angel Talk on that Saturday, the 18th at 1 p.m. And of course, the title is Looking for Angels. So we're going to do a deep dive and we're going to do some prayers and some intentions and see for people in the room if they can connect with their spirit team directly.
1: And also we got confirmation that I will be in person at Circles of Wisdom bookstore in Methuen, Massachusetts. That's just north of Boston on December, on Friday, December 15th. And we're hoping for it to be a hybrid event where you can join remotely and uh, then Nicole will be able to join as well. So it's a great bookstore and it'll be a a nice event.
0: All right, so enough of that out of the way. You mentioned last time in the listener episode that you went on a trip to Tahoe with some friends and they asked you the question, What is it like working with a psychic? So, you haven't even shared this with me. So, this is also new to me, guys. Uh, we don't rehearse this, we try not to script it. So, Scott, I'm going to hand it over to you. What did you say? Well, first of all, how did the topic come about?
1: Well, this is a group we've known each other since kindergarten. So, you know, decades. And uh, we have time for activities when we get together uh, and time where we're just kind of hanging out. And during the those times, a lot of conversations occur. Certainly, throughout the throughout our lifetimes, uh, we share stories and things. And then I was sharing with them, you know, certainly this work with the podcast and the book and working with you. Most of them are engineers, you know, just hard line engineers. I'm very caring and warm people, but they're just more analytical than your average group. And I was uh, telling them about you, and you know, one of them said, "Well, what's it like working with a psychic?" And I said, well, you know, at first it was a little weird. You know, I wondered, like, what is she? Is she in my head now? If she's thinking, well, is she viewing what I'm thinking or doing? But I realized that that, that probably wasn't the case. I mean, she's probably not interested in. I
0: have way too much going on to be in other people's heads.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't care if I'm cutting a tree down in my backyard, you know? And then I said, and they, the psychics in general, including Nicole, said they, there's an off switch. You know, you can turn. Things off, otherwise, you'd be inundated with all kinds of inputs. And then one friend goes, Well, how do you know the switch is off for you, Scott? <laughs> and I said, Well, I don't, you know, there's I don't get a feeling, but it really comes down to a matter of trust, you know, just I know. That in working with, with Nicole, I was talking about you to them for about 10 months, you know, I can certainly, and I'm very, you know, observing her very carefully just in our daily activities working on, on things that um, she is in contact with one or more entities, you know, angels and spirit guides, as she would call it. And in, they are intelligent and they are benevolent. Um, and they do help at times, you know, very very clearly. So that was something that I was mentioning. And then uh, Steve, who we met last year, a friend of mine, came up to see us at the expo, and it was the first time for him there. And to this group, he said, you know, I, I went to see them last year at an expo, and I tell you, I was very, very impacted by all the help That was being given to the different vendors, the different, you know, tarot card readers, the psychics. And he said, I I had no idea that this was out there in such a big way because it was a big event. And then he said, some of the people were moved to tears, especially we were kind of off the side listening to some of your readings. And every now and then someone would cry, you know, start crying. And then he said, There's someone, she's crying now. He goes, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's like a relief or
0: mm-hmm. or
1: something. And we didn't know what was going on. And then later on, he'd say, well, another one. There was another one crying.
0: I hope I don't make people cry that often. <laughs> but yeah.
1: <laughs> so Steve kind of backed me up. Not that I needed backing up, but he, he uh, as being one of more one of them than one of me saying that, yeah, this, this is real and it's a very helpful thing. Mm
0: -hmm. No, no, thank you for sharing that. I was tearing up a little bit because it is a little bit of an emotional release, uh, whether depending on what the message is for someone. If it's, I used to, I'm getting chills as I'm saying this now, but when I would receive readings for me, I would cry not because the message was a bad message but because something would click within me and it would resonate or maybe it was something that i needed to release it was it was kind of almost like someone sees me you know that there's that connection again and i'm not alone in this and so for me and i can only speak on my behalf that was why i would and it could be a, a little simple simple thing and i still tear up so that's usually why sometimes other people have that experience or if it's the message from an angel or a loved one that, really, that somebody really misses, especially if somebody has crossed over. And that is that connection. I do want to just kind of quickly talk a little bit about what kind of goes through my brain and what I experience. I usually don't discuss this a lot, but I've had people request that I share this. So when you were talking about what is it like working with a psychic and if I'm reading you or what all that is, because I have a lot going on, think about how... We have our own inner dialogue. Not everybody has that inner dialogue, but if you do, you know what I'm talking about. You have thoughts that circulate through your mind. You have feelings and emotions that you're experiencing on a moment-by-moment basis. And so that's our normal existence and usually, I would say, our normal way of being. So that's happening. When I'm either in a session or when I'm doing this podcast and talking with someone like you, Scott, or another one of the guests on the show, I am scanning my inner dialogue. I'm also, though, it's like the light switches on and I say it's like open for business. And I receive messages and information through my intuition from my guides and angels. So it's like I'm having two conversations or more in my own energy field. And then when someone else is in front of me, I'm not reading them telepathically. I'm not getting information about you, but your guides and angels will give me or my guides and angels information and pass it along. It's kind of like a little game of telephone Tag, and I only receive information that's filtered through either for that person's best and highest good or if I have permission. So that's also kind of a thing. So I'm not constantly looking at someone and getting information or tapping in into their everyday and hopefully you've also experienced that too but and you'll hear me through the episodes when people say oh like I feel led to or there's this or whatever that's usually my way of saying I'm receiving a message but it can be very jarring and jolting sometimes in the sense that I'm just trying to keep track of all of the information that's coming through I had someone make a comment about how I need to write questions down (laughs) they were were trying to be constructive and give me this feedback but write these questions down I have a whole list of questions that I want to ask, but just because I have lists of questions and I've done my research doesn't necessarily mean that that's the message or that's the information that's coming up too. So I just want to share that if anyone, one, ever feels uncomfortable or like yourself or whatever else, I have so much going on that it's very rare that I'm going to be able to see something like you said, like when you're in your backyard, maybe doing gardening work or something. Yeah. Unless it's of significance, and I need to be like, "Don't chop that tree down, Scott. That tree says it doesn't want to be chopped down."
1: Go the out of other way.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, and then there was that incident that came up by accident.
0: What incident?
1: In talking with Jinch.
0: Oh yeah, I'm really mad at you. <laughs> I'm not happy at all. I know I haven't really we haven't really talked about it, so I don't. Why don't you tell the story?
1: Yeah. So we were on the phone call with uh, Jen and Jill, you know, common mystics, Mm -hmm. just planning maybe some future projects, whatever. And uh, I said, do you happen to work anywhere in like the uh, Arlington Cemetery in D.C.? And they said, no, but uh, why do you bring that up?
0: Well, real quick, I want to say, they Jen and Jill were in Cincinnati for their episodes of Common Mystics, where they kidnapped me. And we were done with our little adventure. We had gone in Cincinnati over the Rhine, and we had gone in Northern Kentucky. So we were hanging out, just chilling. And Scott had said, I want to say hi to them, so call me. So we called him, and then this is what he says, which was totally random. And I had no idea what he was talking about, but continue.
1: So I said, are you going to do any work? Do you plan to do any work in Arlington Cemetery? Because they go around in different cemeteries and haunted houses and things and looking for psychic hits and stories. And they said, no, but why do you bring that up? And I said, well, I had a reading a few months ago. And this woman said that I had a... uh, propensity towards helping people, especially around Arlington, for people who may have died in a war, but they don't know why or where they are, et cetera. So anytime you go there, I'd be, you know, I'll help out. I don't know how, but I'll help out. And then all of a sudden, Nicole goes, Really? Well, who was that? <laughs> and I said, well, it was Carolyn Smith Jones. You know, and she had had a great session with her. And then Jen and Jill go, like wait a minute, you had a psychic reading for someone who isn't Nicole, like that you work with every day? And then Nicole says, well, I've been trying to give him a reading, but he keeps saying no. <laughs> and and my reasoning is, as maybe people could guess by now, but my fear is that she does a reading and she comes up like, well, you know what? In a past life, you were a real jerk and I don't want to work with you anymore. Nah. And then I'd be done. I'd be out of sight. No, part. that's
0: not why. I think you said, and I'm going to share this because you were the one that brought it up, is that it was, it is an intimate thing as far as when you're having a conversation with someone and they're giving you a reading, you're allowing them to tap into your energy. And even though we work together on the podcast and on the book, we have you know, energetic boundaries. And so I had received this intuitive hit where my guides and angels said, offer Scott a reading if he wants it, but don't push it. So I just said to him, I don't want you to feel like you have to pay for a reading with me or someone else if you're ever interested. And he said, yeah, thanks. I'll put a pin in that and think about it. Now, I am curious though, when I offered it, had you already done the reading with someone else?
1: Um... Yes.
0: And you didn't tell me? No. Then you waited months later? Okay. This is where intuitions, I knew you had a reading or you were interested in having a reading. So I offered and you said no.
1: Well, to be honest, now I'm ready.
0: And now the offer's set aside. (laughs) The deal's gone. You're going to have to pay like everybody else. (laughs) <laughs> no anyway. All right. Well, um but now
1: now now I feel comfortable enough yeah. to do that cuz obviously we've been through the ringer <laughs> with the work and late night talks and all that stuff. So there's no uh we know everything about each other anyway. <laughs> so what more can there be?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, anyway, I don't want to overindex on that, but thank you for sharing. I love the kind of behind the scenes with your friends and how they asked you especially since they're more analytical and things of that nature and yeah, if we ever do a reading together, me reading you, or maybe I'll make you read me. Who knows? We'll see. We'll update everyone on how that goes. All right. So I think we've done enough kind of...
1: Oh, wait a minute. You're going to share?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not going to share your intimate secrets. See, that's what
1: I'm talking about.
0: I'm not going to... Sh- do I do that with anyone else? I don't say so-and-so. I had a reading with so-and-so. And- I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Enough kind of preamble. I've had a lot going on. I think I'm going to save that maybe for another listener episode, but just fun, fun thing. Cause I want to, I showed you the Halloween costume last time for Zeus, but also I am getting my podcast studio ready. And I think I told you this, maybe I didn't, but I got this really cool peel and stick wallpaper and guess what's on it. It's not angels.
1: I know because you sent me a picture.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you want to tell everyone what's on it?
1: Aliens. And it's not like in your face aliens. It's kind of like, you know, mixed in with the drawings.
0: Yeah. So it's really fun. I'm just super excited. I know that people are like, I don't care about your podcast studio. I am because I spend a lot of time in this. And so the other reason I'm getting it ready, Scott, is for when you're here in Cincinnati and we go to that event, I wanted to have it set up to where we could record content together in person. So I wanted to make sure it was like very comfortable and it didn't have all my stacks of crap that I have right now and my mattress behind me. It's like holding up the sound. Anyway, so it'll be nice. There'll be aliens in the room, but not the way you think. And that's my only update for now. Okay. So now we're going to pivot into the stories that everyone has submitted for this listener episode. And the theme of this episode is we are not alone. But before we also do that, I did want to go back to a conversation that I had had with Della Rose Ruby Meyer back in episode 150, The Power of Authenticity, where she and I discussed the upcoming explosion of growth in humanity and the growth of technology and artificial intelligence or AI. The reason I'm bringing this up is that I received a really interesting voicemail from someone who is in the industry and in the space. And I just wanted to share that for everyone. So I'm going to play it now.
2: Hi, my name is Courtney and I live and work in Texas. And I was just listening to an episode, your most recent episode with Della Rose on my commute work today. And I just felt I've never called in ever to anything ever but I felt very, very led to kind of contributing to the conversation that you and Devil Rose were having about AI. I work for a major tech company. Obviously, I've signed like NDAs and things, but I work at a very, very basic level building AI. And It was so crazy because hearing you guys talk about it, it was like I was there in the room with y'all, but I couldn't (laughs) get, I couldn't actually participate. So I just wanted to share my, my thought on, on the idea that, you know, AI is copying us and learning us and they're scanning us. I want to just add in it is people who create those algorithms. It is people that teach AI what to look for because I do it in my job on a daily basis. There are nuances in human speech and human facial expressions that our technology still has not caught up to recognizing. And it is people who step in every day and say, hey, this person, when they say this thing, it means this. And I think that's really important to note. And it kind of comes back to the whole, you know, the importance of authenticity, right? Because if we are being our authentic selves, then the thing, if our everyday is teaching AI how we are, we want to give AI our authentic selves. And I don't mean that as in we're giving away our authentic selves. I mean that as in AI is a reflection of us. And so if we are making choices on a mundane, basic, everyday level that aligns with our highest good, that is going to get fed into that AI. And, you know, it kind of comes back to like, you know, sci-fi is like we... AI is kind of our collective consciousness birth child. So it's kind of, you know, how we raise it to be. And I think that that's a really important part of the conversation. It's important for us to be authentic. So important for us to analyze outdated systems and programs and analyze our beliefs and figure out what we what we want and what we don't want, because that is going to be reflected in the technology around us. Okay.
0: And the reason I wanted to play that is I just wanted to, first of all, say thank you to the person who, Courtney, who submitted this and, and called in because it's just further validation, not that I need that validation, but for everybody out there that the technology is going to continue to evolve. And for me, the interesting parts of some of the points that Delarose made and also to Courtney are that we, you know, humans are... The ones that are teaching AI this right now, they're not, it's not sentient, it's not intelligent enough to do it on its own. And so we are teaching it, but also that it's happening. You know, there's a person I'm going to try and have on the podcast who is pivoted from this high end tech job and from AI and other types of things. And now he is teaching spiritual practices and spiritual laws about our free will and choice. And I think it would be a really great follow up to have him on. So I will also share his information and handle. In the show notes. I think it's Museum of Tarot. But anyway, he does a lot of really good eye-opening types of content where he talks exactly about this. And also, Scott, what I would love for us to do is have another episode, whether it's just you and I talking about it, or maybe I do a solo episode where we talk more about the spiritual laws and the spiritual bill of rights. And so this AI and this technology, we still are very empowered as both human beings and spiritual beings. But what does it all mean? And what is what are all those disclaimers and technology? So it just kind of blew my mind. And I wanted to say thanks again for people that call in to either share, again, follow-ups to those conversations because it matters. And so I don't know, Scott, if you had anything to share before we kind of move on.
1: Yeah, just on a practical perspective. So, you know, I teach at a university. Most universities are aware of AI creeping into the students' purview of resources to use and really answer, you know, and create um uh, documents and papers and essays for them. So I started seeing that last year, but I couldn't ever prove it. This year, there's a uh, screening process called Turn It In, and most schools have that. And our school requires, or at least my classes require, students submit their papers through Turn It In. And it was mainly designed to catch plagiarism with students lifting content from other papers. But now there's an AI component this year. And a student... Uh, submitted a paper two weeks ago, 98% AI detected. So I asked my colleagues, like, what do we do? And they go, well, we don't know. There's no rules. So I'm like, well, I'm going to fail her because I think she didn't write the paper. And so subsequently, I found out that there's a 20% chance of the AI screening tool indicating a a false positive, meaning that one out of a hundred students' papers um, we'll have a, you know, they'll be they'll be flagged at twenty percent AI, and it won't be true. So our school says, all right, we'll accept AI material up to thirty percent. You know, so under thirty in- percent, instructors are instructed to, you know, not really make it a big deal. So the student submitted her paper, 98% AI, a few weeks ago. Now it's 30%. So she found out the threshold. And one other student did the same thing, but, but theirs was like 28%. But in any case, you know, it's filtering in. And then my conclusion to all this is that to the students, I'll say, you have to submit your own work and this is the message that Della Rose and Courtney were saying is that be authentic. So you have to submit your own work. You can use AI, but either take it and put it in your own words, just like any other reference, or cite it with an in-text citation, just like any other reference. And uh, at least to me, it provides a solution to that issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very prevalent in academia, I'll tell you that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just that authenticity on all of it and its energy. And I could talk the whole episode about it, but I'm not going to. So let's get into, thank you for sharing that. Let's get into the voicemail messages that we have for We Are Not Alone. And you're going to take this first one, yes?
1: Sure. This message is from Lainey from Charleston, South Carolina. And she talks about how an angel came to her just at the right time.
3: This is Lainey. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I just finished listening to the episode about Angels Listener Tales. Uh, So I just wanted to call sharing an experience that I had. Um, I was about 13 at the time, and my grandfather was really, really sick, and he was in the hospital, and I was getting ready to go see him the next day. I was testing. My clothes and my mom came upstairs and she told me that I should also pack clothes for a funeral because we were probably going to have one. So I was really, really upset. I was crying myself to sleep that night. I was so, so overcome with grief. I remember that it even made it hard to sleep that night. And finally I fell asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't remember what woke me up, but I woke up and I, I looked over to the corner of my room and I saw a woman standing in my room and I could make out her outline. And it was like she was turned away from me and her body was positioned like she was looking down at the things that I had laid out to pack in my bag for the next day to go and see my grandfather. And I just was overcome with this sense of peace just out of the blue and I remember opening my eyes and closing them and opening them and closing them and just seeing her every time I opened my eyes and just was overcome with the knowledge that she's actually there and I knew that she was bringing me this peace that I was feeling I just suddenly felt like for no reason at all like everything was going to be okay And that she was there to help me know and feel that everything was going to be okay. And now when I look back on that experience, I don't know who she was. I, I wasn't able to see her face because she was turned away from me. And I could really only make out her outline in the dark. There was a skylight in that room that was casting a light down on her. And then there was my cell phone also plugged in and the light from the cell phone was shining up on her outline. And so it was hard to see her, but I could make out her figure there. And I just think that because of the feelings that came with her presence, like she was a guardian angel and she had understanding of everything that was happening right now in that moment. And she was there to help me feel that sense of peace when I was feeling so much grief. And um, my grandfather did pass away the next day. And um, I was with him when he passed away, which was a really beautiful thing. But because of those series of events and how closely they aligned with each other, I really feel like she was a guardian angel. so, yeah, I just wanted to share that experience because I've never forgotten it, and I've shared it with so many people, and I feel like it, for me, was really solid proof that we do all have angels, and we have guardians who are watching over us always and know what's happening in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, and they're always there with us, uh, comfort us, and bring us um peace during the most challenging
1: time. I love this story. And the thing that has been getting me lately on stories is that it's the ones that convey uh, the peace and the security that they get from the experience. You know, it's not like the image spoke with her or spoke to her with anything. There's nothing cognitive going on. It was just a sense of an overwhelming sense of peace. Uh, That was conveyed. And um, I like those better. I don't know why, because I guess if the angel turns and said, you know, it's going to be okay, your grandfather's fine. Like, that's one thing. But just the ineffable communication of positive is very powerful.
0: Yeah. And to me, what really stands out is that, and what you said is the emotion and the feeling, is because that is often, more often than not, how our guides and angels communicate with us is through emotion. We talked about earlier at the top of this episode, 11, 11 and signs and numbers and all of that, and that's one way, sure— But it is because we're energetic beings, spiritual beings, and they're energetic beings. And this existence is that in order for us to feel and know and sense, it's usually through emotion. And so especially when we are needing that time of comfort or time of need, it's not a bullet point necessarily. Like you said, oh, you're going to be okay. Yes, that's awesome too to receive. But yes, absolutely on the emotional side of things.
1: Yeah, and there's a New Testament verse that I think about when I think about this topic. And just a part of it says, the peace that passes all understanding. You know, it goes beyond the mind, the brain. It's just like you said, it's all emotion. And more times than not, I think that's what we need the most.
0: Love it. All right. Now, this voicemail is from Allison from IA, Indiana. (laughs) Iowa. Thank God I said that. Okay, because I was like, I'm getting my, this is my dyslexia, IA and AI. Okay, uh, Iowa. Thank you. This voicemail is from Allison from Iowa, and she describes how a simple sign made a huge difference in her life.
4: Hi, my name is Allison, and I'm from Iowa, and I just wanted to share my real-life spiritual experience. Uh, here's what happened. So as my 40th birthday was approaching, I had a lot of negativity. I was really feeling really profoundly lonely about the fact I didn't really have anybody to celebrate my 40th birthday with. It just felt like nobody gave a crap that I was turning 40, and I felt so alone, just incredibly alone and sad. So a couple days before my birthday, I was driving my son, who was seven at the time, to day camp, and I stopped at a red light. I noticed that the car in front of me had plates, that read JLU 810. I was born in July of 1981. So seeing JLU 810 on a license plate, I was like, holy, it's my birthday on a license plate. I cannot tell you how much that meant to me at the time. It felt like my spirit team was giving me a big hug and saying, you are not alone. We, we see you, we understand you. We know everything you've been through in your 40 years and came out still standing, even if there's nobody, you know, in the flesh who understands that. And we celebrate you. Happy birthday. And it just felt like the best birthday present ever. It just made my birthday, honestly. And I still have a lot of loneliness in my life, um, just coping with a lot of issues developing healthier relationships with people. And whenever I'm feeling lonely, I look back on that and it just helps me to remember that I'm not actually alone, even when it feels that way sometimes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Uh,
0: This one hits my heart in a good way. One, not happy necessarily that she felt alone, but Very happy that she received the message and the information. And going back to your earlier point about emotions, she was feeling lonely and emotional on that. But then she received that more visual sign and then the realization came to her that she's not. And then that feeling took over. So I think that's part of a theme here in our conversations and that she just embraced that so strongly. That was a, an intuitive hit or a message from either her higher self or her spirit team about Again, the fact that we never are and that we're always connected. We're never separate, even in those moments. So that's what really stood out to me.
1: Yeah. And along those lines, it's like, what made her look at the license plate? And why did she, you know, make that connection? I mean, obviously it wasn't July. It was J-L-U, which wasn't really, you know, July. But for her, it was absolutely that was the message. And she received so much from just looking at that license plate, you know, the the support and the connection, all that came through. And the starting point was her looking at that uh, license plate. So that's what, and, and the same types of things happen when, you know, repeated numbers come up. You know, why do I look at the clock when it says 1111 or 222, you know, whatever it may be. And when I do see that, you know, I do get a feeling of, hey, we're behind you, we're here, you know, and I smile. But it's that same thing that there are signs around us. And sometimes we see them. Most times we don't, you know, but again, along the theme of the day is that we're not alone. And uh, our spirit team is around us all the time.
0: Yes. Thank you for recapping that.
1: Okay. For those who submitted emails, Nicole and I are going to read a few I'll take the first one, and the subject is two stories about life and death, and it's from Carrie W. from Stockton, California, and they're both about clairsalience, which is clear smelling. I actually have two stories for you. The first one involves my great-grandmother, who I call G. She had what I can only describe as the old person smell. I had been sitting at my computer in our dining room, and I smelled her so strong. At the time, it was not out of character for her to just walk in our house unannounced. So when I turned to say hello, there was nothing. A few minutes later, my mom, who was visiting my sisters in Nashville, called to tell me that G had passed away. I told my mom that I knew. I didn't tell her how I knew, though. Looking back, I believe it was G's way of saying one final goodbye to me, and that was in 2011. The second story involves my older brother. In November of 1974, A year and a half before I was born, my mother gave birth to a stillborn baby who she and my dad named Jacob. Shortly after the passing of my grandmother, I had been talking on the phone to my cousin in Las Vegas. I told her about being able to smell G after her passing and wondered aloud if I might be able to smell my brother. She told me that there was only one way to find out. Just ask him to let me smell him. The thought never occurred to me, so I did. I'd been standing on my front porch, and instantly, it was as though I had been doused in baby powder. The scent was so strong and pure. When I walked inside, my stepdad, who had been sleeping in the other room, came out for a glass of water and could smell the perfume. I ended up telling my mom a week later or so of my experience. A few years later, our family was doing some renovations on my mom's house shortly after she and my stepdad divorced. My mom and I were staying with one of my brothers and his wife and kids, and to keep our house from appearing empty, my other youngest brother was staying there at night. One evening, after he got off work, he went into the bathroom in my mom's room to take a shower. When he walked in the room, he immediately called my mom to find out if someone had been there because the whole room smelled like baby powder. No one had been there, of course, but as he continued his search, the smell was coming from the closet where my brother's ashes were stored. I told my brother that evening of my experience from earlier, and we both knew that it was our brother's way of confirming to us that he was with us in spirit. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's a great story, and so consistent with smell. So, Nicole, what, what do you think of that, and specifically Claire Salience?
0: Well, I have only experienced Claire Salience a handful of times. I would say recently. And it was something that was really strong with me when I was a teenager and through my college years. I actually could smell death around people. Which was really creepy, <laughs> to be honest. And for a while, I honestly thought that it was one of those things where it was just, you know, like she said, that old person smell that they get. But I noticed that it was around people that weren't necessarily elderly all the time. And then as I was picking up, the energy as a whole would just kind of stand out. And so. I say that it's very real and for different people, again, it's going to show up for different things. For this, the fact that they were both loved ones and you know, spiritual souls that she had a strong connection to and that she has that clear salient ability or that clear smelling ability means that even though it was just with her loved ones right now, it probably is something that if she wanted to develop it, she could in other ways. I have also my grandfather who has passed, my maternal grandfather, there is cigar smoke. He used to smoke cigars when he was younger. And that was a very core memory of mine when I would go visit and that smell would just be in the home and the house. And so very occasionally I've had that happen as well, but it stands out and it's real. And the other thing is that the reason why smells are... Think about it as smells are also vibration and frequency. And so that is why a lot of people will say, well, I smell flowers or I smell roses. When angels are present, roses have one of the higher, highest, if not the highest vibration and frequency of a plant and especially the flower, which is why when angels are around, you tend to smell flowers. So I just find it fascinating anytime anyone can experience that because it's not something that's very common for me anymore. What did you think?
1: A little bit off topic, but I've been interested lately in the stories that come through that aren't urgent. You know, there's, there's the urgent stories like help me, someone's chasing me in a car accident, or whatever it may be. But all these three stories are, they're not urgent. They're just requests. And, you know, and she was kind of surprised when they said, well, just ask, you know, to see if you could smell your baby, you know. And how many times do we think like, oh, you know, this is a stupid thing. I'm not going to bother the angels <laughs> because it's just, you know, I'm looking for a new job or, you know, I need to find my way home. I'm lost, you know, whatever it may be. You know? So that was one thing that kind of stuck out me was that we can ask, and I'm sure our our spirit team doesn't care. That might be a little thing for us, but they still want to support us.
0: And again, it goes back to that comfort that you were talking about. And even though this one didn't have emotions, and to your point about asking, that smell, especially with the baby, provided that level of comfort through having that sensory experience. Yeah. Allowing her to feel closer. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and sorry for your losses. All right. This final story for today is from Val B and she describes an incredible experience with a well-known deity, the subject, a golden triangle and the God Zeus. As a prelude to my story, I want to share that I had an incredibly difficult childhood. I experienced physical, mental, and sexual abuse from a very early age. I've been in intensive therapy for the past several years and recently started going through a spiritual awakening. While my trauma therapy has been an integral and vital part of my healing journey, the spiritual healings I've received have eclipsed that. I decided to go outside to meditate after too much screen time that day. I have a meditation area in my backyard that's filled with river rock, native plants, and large slabs of stone to sit on. I set the intention that for this meditation, I would let my guides and angels take over to show me what I needed to know. It was an open session where my main goal was to let go of control. I closed my eyes and almost immediately got a vision of myself sitting on a cloud in the sky. I had a golden triangle over my head with an eye in the center. I thought to myself, hmm, that's interesting. Then my little cloud zoomed off, taking me with it. I was transported to the place I've come to know as my star place. It's a vast sea of stars, but there's also a corridor that exists within that space. I have visited it several times in the past while meditating. I was standing in the corridor when all of a sudden, a man appeared before me. He had curly white hair and a beard. He was dressed in a Grecian-like robe and held a staff. My first thought was, he looks like Zeus. The image of Zeus from the cartoon Hercules came to mind, and he was a dead ringer for that image. He was very muscular, solid, and looked as if he was there to do a job. He walked towards me and then started walking down my star corridor. I fell into step beside him. I felt very safe and protected. He felt so masculine and real walking there beside me. As usual, I noticed small glowing images that adorned the top, bottom, and sides of my star place. They're like tiny glowing and moving picture frames that depict the abuse I experienced as a child. I noticed at the end of the corridor there was a bright, cloudy light. I knew that was our destination, but it was something I'd never seen in my star place before. Zeus led me there, and I walked through it into a space that was blindingly bright, so bright I had to close my eyes. When I opened my eyes, I was surprised to see that I was surrounded by many, many beings of all shapes, sizes, and genders. Some were human, some were not. I couldn't really see any of them in detail. I sensed they may have been different versions of me and maybe some other spiritual support. After a few moments, they held their hands out to me. I felt they were sending me powerful healing, love, and wisdom. It was intense and wonderful at the same time. I could distantly feel my body start to convulse on the ground with the huge amounts of energy that was coursing through me. I tried not to panic and let it happen, but it was scary. I called in Archangel Michael and Mother Mary for support and comfort during the process. As the healing started to wind down and I entered my body more fully, I felt the strong presence of Archangel Michael and Mother Mary. Michael placed his hand on my back. I felt warmth, strength, and a supportive energy where he touched me. I then felt Mother Mary reach into my chest with her energy. I felt the most tender, beautiful, warm energy in and around my heart. I understood I was getting another healing from them and felt so honored that they were there to support me. Once everything was over and done with, I felt shell-shocked. My human brain was trying to process what just happened, and my body couldn't keep up with the changes. I gulped for air, but didn't feel like I could get enough into my lungs. My heart felt bigger in my chest, and my heartbeat felt completely off. I took a shower to try and ground myself, then finally was able to lay down for a long and peaceful nap. Since then, whenever I've needed it, I look back on the experience for strength when I'm struggling. Wow, wow, wow. And this was a story that was submitted by Val that we really wanted to include in the book. And it just came through at a time where we were off to the presses and we didn't want to delay it any longer. But I wanted to make sure we shared it here. So at some point, so thank you, Scott, for pulling it to include. What stood out to you? What made you want to share this?
1: Well, at first, I thought, like, I remember the cartoon Hercules and Zeus, and like I could picture it in my mind. And I would think like critics would say like, well, this is just a hallucination based on her seeing a childhood image. And that, you know, that's really the only thing. But there's so much more to the story. (laughs) You know, it's not just it was like the image of Zeus that looked like the cartoon image.
0: We also don't know if like she was a child when she saw it. She could have seen it when she was an adult. I saw the movie as an adult.
1: Oh yeah, but that was it. That you know, it the 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 story is so detailed and complex that it goes beyond just saying like, oh, you're just referring to a childhood cartoon or you know, cartoon image of what Zeus looks like. But then again, the journey itself and how it matched what she was feeling at the time, and certainly gave her comfort. Uh, The one thing that that stuck out to me was the images. the glowing and moving picture frames that depicted the abuse she experienced. And I guess to me, I kind of thought like, you know, that abuse was part of who she is in this dream or, you know, scenario. They're still there, but they're tiny uh, and they're not taking over her life like I'm sure it did when she was experiencing them. And that we can't disregard the hard times in life because they they do make us who we are and are a part of us.
0: Yeah. And for me, the fact is, so one of my dog's name is Zeus. And in the book, I do write about Zeus, not my dog, but the actual deity and God, Zeus, because... When I was channeling spirit and asking who wanted to step forward, there were a lot of deities that feel like that they don't get the airtime or the screen time as much as some of the others within other religions. The Greek religion isn't really existing as as it once did back then. And so there are these other deities. And so Zeus is prominent in the book. And I always wondered why, I wanted to name my dog that and there was a tie-in too with it in his energy. So just kind of a little side note there. And also I did have a chance to talk to Val separately about this story. And so this, for people that are wondering, she wasn't on hallucinogens, there wasn't anything else that she was doing other than the true meditation. She's been doing several years of learning how to do deep seated meditations and all of that. And so when you get to that level and you're dealing with trauma and you are healing it, not just on the emotional side or the physical side of that trauma and healing and spiritually what that means energetically the ability for her guides and angels or Zeus in this case to show her and I always say to people that when our certain members of our spirit team show up because I've talked about it at length it's comprised of archangels ascended masters heavy hitters not just our loved ones that are there for you know love and reassurance or our guardian angels that are there beside us always it is heavy hitters that step forward when we have work to do on ourselves and or to be in support of others. And so Zeus, in this case, if you think about the energy that she explained, the strength, the confidence walking beside her, and then Mother Mary, that more softer, subtle energy that filled her up with love, that was healing so many layers. And To me, when she described the stars and seeing all of that and her recognition of it being parts of herself, maybe it wasn't even just in that lifetime, it's healing other aspects of her life and lives alternatively. And so just that realization of knowing that in that moment, it wasn't just... Here as Val in this lifetime and in this moment, it was those others. It's that ripple effect that goes out, I feel like, into the universe and into the world that she's connected to and she's a part of. So that's what I was getting from the story and why it stood out to me.
1: Yeah. And the other thing was that I think there's one part where she said a place that I now call my star corridor, you know, so it's a familiar place. And that's what they teach us in meditation and intention practices is to create a place that you feel comfortable with and in, and then kind of go back to that place to quiet your mind, but also to meet with your spirit team.
0: When I hear her star corridor To me, it's what I describe as my sacred space. So my sacred space is, I created this when I was a child, is a field of wildflowers and they're very tall and they're beautiful and bright and there's a big bright sky. And when I'm in this field of wildflowers, it just flows. They're flowing in the wind and they're moving back and forth and there's this sense of peace and calm. And anytime I want to go to my sacred space, that's where I envision and visualize it and I go. And so for her, that sacred space is what she described as. You can create it on your own. You can come up to it in meditation or whatever, but ultimately that's what I would say it probably is. It also could be a huge connection for what she remembers when she was on the other side before she came here. Different people have described it in different ways. I kind of call it space or that universe or whatever you, however you want to define and call it, but That's what I think it is for her is not trying to put words in her mouth, probably her sacred space where she goes to, to feel safe. All right. Well, that was an amazing story to end us on with the, we are not alone and goes back again to the theme. We are definitely not alone with whether it's Zeus or mother Mary, our babies, souls, our loved ones, all of it comprised our guardian angels. And I don't know about you, Scott, but anything else you want to add before we wrap?
1: Now, I just like all these uh, stories kind of came together for me and I really was touched you know, about the feeling of that we're not alone and we need to recognize that more on a daily basis. And like I mentioned, it doesn't have to be an urgent need. You know, we're not alone for things that help us through the day. So that came through very strong for me in these stories.
0: Thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast and submitting your stories. We are still accepting true stories for the holidays, and you have plenty of time to submit, but please get them in no later than November 3rd, 2023. You can do so at the website at psychicstory.com forward slash story dash submission, email contact at a psychic or leave a voicemail at 1-800-880-1881. If you get cut off at the 10 minute limit, just call back and pick up where you left off. If you're outside the U S and prefer audio, but can't use the 1-800 number, feel free to record on your phone and email it in. As always, when sharing it with us, you're automatically giving a psychic story podcast permission to share it with listeners.
1: And now you know that our book will be officially available for purchase on November 11th. We can't wait to hear what you think of it. In the meantime, mark your calendars or sign up to be alerted when it's available at lookingforangelsbook.com. Until next time, take care.
0: Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychic when you do because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.